0: Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Good to be with you today on the program. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for The Core, and we'll be with you for the next hour or so till 2 p.m. Central, AFA at The Core. We're live streaming the video on our streaming platform. Sorry, clearing my voice. I guess I should test my voice before I go on the air, but I didn't. No testing, no testing here. Um, We are live streaming the video on our streaming platform, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. We do uh, live stream the video on Facebook as well by visiting AFA at the Core on Facebook. You can go there on the Core's Facebook page and watch the show live each day of the week where we live stream the video. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can scri- uh, subscribe to AFA at the CORE's podcast. We do have uh, some guests with us today uh, in the second and third segment. On the second segment, we'll have on Katie Talento. Katie's the executive director over at the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries, and uh, her group uh, represents these various healthcare sharing Uh, ministries around the nation. They represent them in Washington, D.C. So we'll talk with Katie Tolento in the second segment about um, what the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries does, what's the status of health care, health insurance in America in 2022. We'll talk with her about that. And then uh, we'll have on Darcy Olson in the last segment. She's founder and CEO for the Center for the Rights of Abused Children. We'll talk about child welfare, the foster care system, adoption, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, some areas for improvement there on the legal front. Uh, So we'll talk with Darcy Olson in the last segment of the core. I do want to turn our attention to Psalm chapter 50. We're reading out of the ESV version, Psalm chapter 50. If you want to know a little bit about God, well, number one, read the Bible, but number two, uh, read some of uh, Psalm. Of course, you can read every other book and learn about God, too. But um, God's characteristics, his traits, specific descriptions of God, read Psalm. Psalm chapter 50 today, verse 1 and 2 says, verse 1 through 3, really, The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire. Around him, a mighty storm or a mighty tempest is the word used here in this version. And uh, I just, I'm fascinated when I read the Bible and I read different authors of the Bible and their description of God and it all it all's of course the inherent word of God, all God inspired. But you, you, you read about God in his word, which of course is the accurate description of God, but you you listen to or read what people say about God, and sometimes you get a very different God, if you will. And when you read the Bible, you get a true description of the Lord. But many people in in in, at least in American culture today try to they don't try to they do they paint God as this their their buddy their their BFF their their bro. You get all these these, uh, really belittled descriptions, these very humanistic descriptions of God that are so inaccurate and so underperforming and underestimating of the one true God. And so what I want to challenge us with this week, and I've done this before, but we've just got to get out of this worldly mindset of God and putting God in some kind of human box and using our own language of 2022 to describe God. I mean, shame on us. God's not our bro. He's not our bud. He's not our bachelor. David says that God is the mighty one. He speaks, and when he speaks, he summons the entire planet. It says out of Zion the perfection of beauty and we think we know perfection here we don't know anything about perfection the only ounce we know about perfection is about god because you look around we're all fallen we live in a fallen world thanks to adam and eve and so we look around and we go oh that's that's perfect man look at that look at that car that's perfect we you know buy a house man that's perfect we find our spouse; they're perfect. That's we use that. We throw that that terminology around. Really, though, for being honest with ourselves, the only thing perfect is God Himself. The uh, verse three says, "Our God comes; He does not keep silence. So He's not a God of silence. He's not a God of inactivity." Before him is a devouring fire. Think of judgment. But the fire doesn't consume God, but it is before him. It is around him. Also around him is a mighty tempest, a mighty storm that God is also not affected by. Uh, so let's let's uh, make sure we, we get the right perspective on who God is. Let's make sure we're getting our descriptors from the author and perfecter of our faith, God himself. Um, let's look to Scripture as to how to best explain God, and uh, let's get out of this belittling and minimizing uh, our Heavenly Father. Psalm chapter 50 is where we were this week. Well, moving into some of our, our stories for the week, um, <clears throat> Washington, D.C. just never seems to to under-impress, to under, under impress, if that's a, that's a word. But there's this uh, legislation, we're in a lame duck session, so you've got a Congress that's outgoing, you've got a new Congress coming in in January, you've got the same president, uh, unfortunately, but there's this piece of legislation that i kind of been keeping an eye on, but it's I've thought this thing, I mean, surely this thing's not going to pass. Well, it's kind of got some life to it now, and it's called the uh, Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. Ooh, that sounds so good. Journalism and competition journalism Competition and Preservation Act JcPA for short and so this bill what they'll tell you is they'll say well this is this is aimed they'll tell you this legislation is supposed to help local broadcasters local news um, um, organizations have uh, some some competitive advantage uh, with these major tech Conglomerates like your Facebooks, your YouTubes, your Twitters, etc. That's what they'll say the aim is. And you go, boy, is that noble. Well, you start looking into it and, and the actual, what it actually does. This legislation called the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act, what it will do should it become law is it will give major media corporations like News Corp, Fox News Channel, um, ABC, NBC, CNN, and the list goes on. It will give those major media conglomerates, it will give them a four-year antitrust immunity or an antitrust freeze so that they can negotiate with the major tech platforms, Facebook, Google, and the likes, so that they can work out a deal where the major media conglomerates' content is preferred over other media outlets' content. Now, now tell me how that helps local news outlets. All right. So, so the basis of the bill is we've got these these local, you know, your local news channel, right? Your local ABC or Fox broadcaster, NBC, and the claim is is that well these these smaller local news channels are getting getting basically defunded because you've got your, you got the internet and you've got local independent journalists and you got you know you got Facebook and Google and 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 you can have an independent journalist or a small uh, you know a news outfit and they can basically provide the same information as your your local news channel and so the, the bill they'll say is aimed at helping those local news channels to have a little bit more competition a little more advantage uh, on these big, big platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Google, etc. But but really, when you look at many of these local news outlets, not all, but many of them, they're owned by major media conglomerates. All right? You've got your affiliate programs, you've got your Fox affiliates, and I'm not an expert on this, but I'm just naming what I know. You've got your Fox, Fox affiliates, you've got your ABC affiliates, you've got your CBS affiliates. I mean, you've got all these different affiliate stations. This will give those major media conglomerates an upper hand and four-year antitrust freeze. And what this will do, because when you look at independent journalism, when you look at um, uh, independent journalism today and smaller news companies, smaller news teams and organizations, conservatives are leading the charge. I mean, we've got our own American Family News. We've got about eight to ten reporters and anchors, and they provide news every day for our audience. Then you've got uh, the likes of, of, of Breitbart, um, Breitbart News. You've got the Daily Wire. You've got Daily Signal, which is a Heritage, uh, Heritage Foundation outfit. So you've got all these different kind of conservative alternate media outlets. This gives the, the media establishment an upper hand on the little guy. That's what it will do because it, it, it gives them an antitrust protection, an antitrust freeze so that all the major media conglomerates can collude and work with your Facebooks, your Googles, your YouTubes, your Twitters to get their content preferred and get our content bumped down to the bottom of the algorithm, which today as it stands, that would raise serious antitrust claims, antitrust violation claims if a major corporation like a Washington Post worked with a Facebook or a Google, and they worked out a deal to get the Washington Post content artificially queued up to the top on news stories beyond what it already is. That would raise some serious antitrust claims, antitrust violation claims. Uh, But this bill that the establishment in Washington, D.C. is working to advance will provide them protection. So overall, terrible legislation, absolutely terrible legislation, that will give the establishment media an upper hand um, on these uh, big tech platforms. So not a good deal. We don't need it to pass, but that's what's going on over there in the U.S. Senate. Say all that to say Mitch McConnell's uh, paving the way for this to pass. Yes, Senator Mitch McConnell from Kentucky has given Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer the thumbs up, the head nod that if they want to pass this bill, he'll go right along with it. No problem. I'll be glad to protect uh, the media cartels of the world, or of the U.S. That's what uh, Mitch McConnell's working on there, uh, representing the people of Kentucky, uh, helping to crowd out alternative uh, media sources, media outlets, and independent journalists. <clears throat> that's uh, that's the establishment for you. Uh, Mitch McConnell might as well just change his party affiliation to Democrat. I mean, the dude works for the Democrats day in and day out. I've never seen somebody bend over so hard uh, Far the Democrats, bend over backwards. Yes, sir, Chuck Schumer, whatever you need. President Biden will help you get whatever done you need done. <laughs> I only wish that Mitch McConnell would fight Biden as hard as he fought Trump. I mean, everywhere we turn, Mitch McConnell was telling Trump, no. No, we're not doing this. No, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing this. No, we're not doing that. We get a left-wing Marxist in the White House and in the Senate and the House and Whatever you need, sir. Be glad to serve you. He can't retire too soon. That's uh, Mitch McConnell. Something to keep an eye on. Journalism, Competition, and Preservation Act, otherwise known as JCPA. AFA at the core here. we got some special guests coming up next segment. And the next, you're not going to want to miss it. We are live streaming the video. uh, Streaming.afa.net. Be back in a few.
2: And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Acts 17.26 conveys to us the reality that we were born and placed in the 21st century by God's specific design. He determined before time where we would live and when we would live there. If you're in Minnesota, Mississippi, or Maine, God put you there on purpose. He's not surprised by the darkness we see around us, nor is he caught off guard by it. In fact, he specifically prepared for it by making sure you're alive right now. God can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use you and me as ambassadors of his kingdom. We are his
3: torches to light up the darkness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
1: In this season of gift giving, some families are reviewing cultural traditions surrounding the holidays and opting instead for outside-the-box ways to show their love. Toys are nice, a new sweater is lovely, but can a traditional gift have the same impact of sharing Christ's love? Groups like Samaritan's Purse allow gifters to purchase a goat for a family in need through their livestock project human trafficking recovery ministries like rafa house offer goods made by survivors the funds benefit changing lives across the globe giving young women hope and a future if your girl lights up at the possibility of creatively approaching this year's holiday gift season seek out ways together to boost her desire to make an impact with her budget
4: we are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
3: If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare Open Enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833 45 Bible. AFA at
1: the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
0: Welcome back to the core. I'm Marco Wildman. Good to be with you today on the program. We are live streaming the video for those who would like to watch streaming. AFA.net streaming. Once you log in, you can create a free account. Of course, uh, you can also create a subscription, a monthly subscription. But uh, either way, once you get logged in to our streaming platform, right there on the homepage, you'll see the live streaming bar uh, up at the top under the menu bar. Uh, You'll see AFA at the Core is live. Click on that, and then boom, uh, the the video feed will pop up, and uh, you can watch AFA at the Core on our streaming platform. We offer a couple other shows on there. As well, um, we have AFA, um, or Today's Issues, rather, is uh, live streaming uh, during their, their hour and a half, their 90 minutes. Uh, we've got uh, the Hamilton Corner. We've got airing the Addisons. Uh, those are just to name a few. They're on our streaming platform. And uh, so go to streaming.afa.net and check that out. Hey, I do want to introduce our next guest. We do have with us Katie Talento. Uh, Katie is the executive director. At the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries organization, uh, hey Katie, welcome to AFA at the Core.
2: Thanks so much, Walker, for having me.
0: Well, uh, Katie, we we've heard and we do promote uh, some of these uh, different healthcare uh, or health yeah healthcare sharing ministries that are out there. There's a couple of different you know Christian uh, uh, versions of that out there, uh, but you're the Alliance. You're kind of what's holding everything together, representing those interests in Washington D.C. Uh, tell, our, tell our audience a little bit about the work of the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries.
2: Sure thing, yeah. So we are the uh, trade association for the federally recognized healthcare sharing ministries. Um, the Affordable Care Act, of all things, actually recognized us for the first time in law. And so, uh, you know, our organizations are probably the some of the largest organizations out there. Some are probably advertisers for you all. And um, and many folks, Christians especially, have heard of us. But um, if they haven't, they can certainly visit our website. But what we what we tend to do is we work at the state level almost more than the federal level, really, because this, there are a number of state threats to um, Christians' religious freedom to get their healthcare solution through healthcare sharing ministries instead of health insurance. And so we are constantly, you know, playing whack-a-mole trying to you know, educate and beat back threats to that religious liberty. But we certainly try to promote that at the federal level, too, with the Congress and um, and the executive branch. So we're everywhere trying to protect religious liberty.
0: Well, before we jump on to, to a topic that I do want to discuss regarding, you know, how people who refuse to get vaccinated or get this COVID shot are being treated with their health insurance agencies or health insurance plans, um, give, our, give our audience a little Kind of a, a sales pitch, if you will, for these healthcare sharing plans that are out there. Because, of course, I'm, I'm relatively familiar with them. We promote different options here on the radio network of Christian healthcare sharing plans. But um, what's a um, what what would you say to someone who's interested in that? Maybe doesn't know anything about it. What 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 are some of the benefits there?
2: That's right. I like to think of it sort of like a homeschool co op for healthcare. So it's a community of religious believers coming together to bear one another's burdens when it comes to healthcare bills. And so, for instance, um, you know, the ministries each do this a little bit differently, but a typical example might be um, you sign up for one of these and you contribute um, you donate every month a certain amount of money that goes to share in other members' medical bills, and then when you need healthcare, you also can go to a doctor. You you tell them that you're a member of a healthcare sharing ministry. Uh, sometimes you'll pay cash up front. Sometimes you'll give them a card, and then. When you are done, you get an itemized bill from them and, and then you, you upload that to the ministry's portal and the ministry taps some other members on the shoulder and asks them to send their monthly contribution to you. Um, or some ministries send that contribution directly to the doctor. It sort of depends on the ministry, but that's how it works. And, um, you know, we think it's like the book of Acts, uh, with, with all the believers and living in community and sharing everything and, and, this is especially difficult. Healthcare bills are completely unaffordable for the average family, and, and so everyone needs to have some sort of solution. The government would like us to have that solution be, you know, uh, Affordable Care Act qualified plans, health insurance. This is not an insurance solution, and it's been – health sharing ministries have been specifically exempted from that Affordable Care Act insurance mandate. So um, you know, we've it's been recognized that this is a legitimate solution, non-insurance solution for Christian believers, mm-hmm. and it works every day. There, are, there are over a million Americans that are part of a healthcare sharing ministry, and we want to keep it that way. We want to grow the model, and and we think it's a better way to do healthcare.
0: Yeah, I I, I can vouch for that. Um, know many many people who participate in a, in this these type plans, and um, all I hear is very good things about it. Hey, uh, uh, Katie. Talk to us a little bit about um, how unvaccinated uh, Americans, people who haven't participated in the COVID nineteen shot program, uh, how are insurance companies, some insurance companies, uh, treating these Americans? Because this is this is pretty uh, disturbing. What's going on here?
4: It is a little
2: disturbing. I th- I'm hoping that this fervor has died down a bit um, in in light of recent news stories, but. Uh, It it, it definitely was a problem that I was reading about quite a bit and we were hearing about um, in the marketplace earlier this year. So this is not, to be totally clear, it's not exactly insurance companies. It's really employers. It's Mm. businesses that have hired an insurance company to administer their own self-funded plan. So a large company might offer a Blue Cross plan, for instance, but it's not really Blue Cross paying the medical bills. It's actually the company paying the medical bills. And this is the type of insurance that large employers tend to offer, mm. large employers like some of these woke corporations that we're also familiar with. And because they make their own decisions and they don't outsource the decisions about what benefits look like to an insurance company, they can make decisions to increase uh, premium surcharges up to 30% is allowed for any sort of health related reason. So for instance, if you're a smoker or, um, you know, if you don't go through their wellness program or, you know, anyone like that, they can charge a surcharge of up to 30%. And there has been some talk among some of these woke organizations about imposing a surcharge like that on people who do not get, um, mm-hmm. the shot. So, that there was a lot of news stories about this earlier in the year, but it's just another reason why Christians and and others of goodwill should want to escape the insurance industry.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very unfortunate, Katie, that that government has meddled so much in this this health insurance industry that it's it's really not not very competitive. Number one, and uh, the quality is just not there because there's lack of competition. And that's really, really unfortunate. And uh, I also want to want to maybe let you uh, uh, maybe tell our audience. A lot of people get health care and health insurance. They they mix the two together as if they're the same. But but and that's what the the uh, uh, Obama, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act that had really little if anything to do with the actual health care and the quality thereof. It had everything to do with insurance, pretty much for the most part. Um, but tell our audience the difference between health care and health insurance and why those two things, we can't conflate those two.
2: Well, that's right. I mean, certainly in the first five or so years of the Affordable Care Act, we saw, um, you know, premiums doubling. We saw deductibles tripling. And um, this was a huge problem. So you spend a ton of money to purchase a health insurance plan that the government is now requiring you to purchase. And you can't afford to use it because you've got a deductible that's, you know, far beyond what the average American family has in savings. Yeah, it's like a and mortgage. So, yeah.
3: another, another mortgage. And so,
2: you know, this is, yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, I think a lot of it has improved in certain pockets around the country in that as the, you know, health exchanges that these, these ACA exchanges that are operated by the states have stabilized over the years, they're, it's getting a little bit, Better and the insurance companies are, are, are not cost shifting quite as much to patients and you can sometimes get a better, uh, a better deal. And that's especially true since the COVID packages, legislative packages that Congress passed, um, you know, wrote sort of an unlimited check to insurance companies to increase subsidies for people. So now lots of people can get insurance, you know, subsidized by the government if you want to enter into that spousian uh, proposition. But, you know, what, what we're seeing is that just having insurance doesn't mean that, um, that you're getting good care, that you're getting quality care, that you're not going to go bankrupt. In fact, 70% of people who declared bankruptcy for reasons related to medical bills had insurance. I mean, I, I thought, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when insurance was supposed to protect you from catastrophic ruin, financial ruin. That's just not what it does anymore. Let me give you another example. The Providence Health System, started by Catholic nuns over a century ago, and they're in many states across the country. A New York Times article came out a few weeks ago talking about how they paid $45 million to McKinsey consultants to come in and figure out for them how they could avoid having to pay charity care for poor people in their communities and still um, still keep their tax-exempt status. It's really... um It's really disgusting what we're seeing from these so-called charity nonprofit hospitals. Yeah. And and they turn into these giant corporations. So really, you know, one of the things that when I was in the White House, I was working for President Trump and we, we really focused on price transparency and forcing hospitals and insurers to end secret prices. I mean, what other industry can you not get the price in advance? For something that you need, that you can't say no to, and yet you get a bill months later, and it bankrupts you. It's crazy, and it's, it's a racket. It's unjust.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a, a it's a racket. It's absolutely absurd and and corrupt, and should not be allowed. And um, President Trump, uh, he did do, do a lot of work there on the price print transparency at the federal level, from the as far as the rulemaking and stuff goes. Um, uh, that's very, very important, Katie, the difference between health care and health insurance, because especially in today's world where uh, Democrats and everybody who wants a big government are pushing this you know, Medicaid expansion and we need, you know, basically government's going to pay for everything. I just want to warn our audience. Anybody who thinks that's a good idea has not looked at human history, has not looked at even American history. The more government meddles in any industry the worst, uh, the, the lower the quality goes for that industry, uh, we should not uh, be under the, the idea or the, the assumption that if, if, if it's paid for, if it's, quote, more affordable because the government's subsidizing it, that all of a sudden we're going to get this great health care quality. Uh, those are two different things, and the, the, more, t- the more government meddles in health insurance and health care, the lower quality we're going to get as a consumer or as a patient. Uh, from a healthcare uh, perspective. Hey, Katie, uh, tell our audience uh, where they can read a little bit more about the Alliance and what you guys do, and even check out some of your different federal and statewide priorities.
2: Yeah, so we are at ahcsm.org. It's the acronym for the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Industry, ahcsm.org, and folks can check us out or email me, and um, we look forward to hearing from folks.
0: Excellent, excellent. That's uh, ah. Csm.org. We'll also post that link on the podcast page at AFR.net. Hey, Katie, thanks so much for your work. Uh, keep it up, and uh, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you, Walker. God bless you and your audience.
0: All right, appreciate that. That's uh, Katie Talento from the Alliance of Healthcare Sharing Ministries. AHCSM.org. Uh, we'll post a link to that. Uh, site on our podcast page at AFR.net dot net here in a little while this afternoon. A uh, very very important topic, and um, as we look look around the the country today, you know, America has been known for for first class medical care. Really, when you look at at America uh, and, and the world and and human history, uh, America has been known. The United States of America has been known for top quality first class. Medical care, and, and we still do have that, very much so, um, but we've got to keep that. We can't just assume that because we've got it now that, that that's how it will always be. The way you get, the way we get, and we keep first-class health care, I'm not talking about health insurance, I'm talking about health care, like you go see your doctor or you have this surgery or you go to the emergency room, how you keep that care first-class, top quality, and affordable is you have competition, all right? And when government comes in, they always crowd out competition. They take over the market. Government does. And so we've got to keep government out of this, all right, to the, to the best possible. we got to keep government out of health insurance and health care, and we've got to let there be robust competition because where there is robust competition in the free market of health care, uh, you will have quality maintained. You will have quality not only maintained, but increased. Why? Because medical systems and doctors, etc., will be incentivized to compete and provide the best care uh, in their area, in their market possible. Why? Because if the, if the patient's unhappy, well, then next time they're going to go down the street, uh, to the other facility or the other competitor, uh, down the street or across town. Uh, so we gotta, we gotta keep competition. Competition is good for the consumer. And in this case, competition is good for the patient. And, um, these healthcare sharing uh, ministries and these healthcare sharing options out there are uh, good options, and uh, good for some families to do uh, save a little bit of money, but yet have your your healthcare uh, cost shared. Basically, serves as an insurance policy, even though it's not technically insurance. Uh, it serves in that capacity, in that role. That is healthcare sharing. Thanks so much for joining us for the core. We do have a segment left. We're live streaming the video now on streaming.afa.net. We're also live streaming the audio on our website, AFR.net and on the AFR app. Stay tuned. we got a segment left. Another great guest coming up. You're not going to want to miss it.
1: By now, you know that Sandy Rios has stepped away from the morning show. But don't despair. Sandy is shifting her talents to podcasting. She'll still be a part of AFR. And now, she won't need to wake up hours before the sun to keep us informed and encouraged every day. On the podcast, Sandy Rios 24-7, you can enjoy the knowledge, insight, and interviews you've always loved on Sandy's morning show. Sandy Rios 24-7, beginning the week of January 9th on AFR.net. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net.
3: From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt.
1: Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands.
3: Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps.
1: Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. On a trip to Bethlehem some years ago, I was able to go to the place where Jesus was born. You can easily enter the small cathedral built over the place of Jesus' birth, and can actually enter the cave. However, you can't enter it unless you stoop or bend over. You can't enter standing upright. That's also true if you surrender to Jesus and trust Him as your Savior. The proud, self-righteous heart can't enter. But the repentant, guilty sinner who acknowledges sin can enter into a saving relationship with God through Jesus. Have you stooped over in humility and trusted Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not do so now? The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit AIM2020.com. AFA at the Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome, to the core, back to the core. I'm Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on the program. Uh, for those, if anyone's missed part of the show or wants to go back and just listen again to uh, previous two segments, you can always go to afr.net, click on the podcast section, and you'll find AFA at the Core's latest podcast there. Or you can uh, download the Afr app and uh, find the podcast on the American Family radio app or find it at your nearest podcast store, whatever podcast store you use, just type in AFA at the core. Well, I do want to introduce our next guest we have on with us. um, We have on Darcy Olson. Darcy is the founder and CEO for the Center for the Rights of Abused Children. Uh, Darcy's on on the line with us. Hey, Darcy, welcome to AFA at the core.
4: Walker. It's great to be on your show today.
0: Thanks so much, Darcy, for coming on uh, the core for the first time. Uh, tell our tell our audience a little bit about uh, the Center for the Rights of Abused Children. Uh, why you decided to start that, and some of the work that you guys do.
4: Well, like you, we're all about family, and um, I had become a foster parent, which you know, foster parents take in kids that have been abandoned, or abused, uh, or, or neglected, or left behind. And that was about 11 years ago, and I ended up with four adoptions, which I had not planned for children who needed a forever family. And during that process, uh, what I realized was that the rule of law, which is so important in protecting so many of our rights as Americans, uh, really was not coming into play to protect these abused children. So, for instance, a child in the courtroom who suffered incest, you'd be shocked, I think, to hear that they are not entitled to an attorney to help them in their cases. Um, so they're the only ones without representation in court. And so I decided it this needed to be remedied, and I felt called, and, and that was the beginning of the Center for the Rights of Abused Children.
0: Well, Darcy, one, one question I kind of want to ask you, and there's many things we could talk about here, but just from my perspective, looking at the not only the foster care, not industry, that's a terrible word, but the foster care you know, system. All right. And then you have the adoption uh, system. To me, looking at it from the outside in, having not fostered or adopted, but just knowing people who have, it seems there's just a lot of red tape and it's very difficult for couples, for families who do want to foster or do want to adopt. It just seems very challenging from a from a financial standpoint and a regulatory standpoint.
4: My goodness, you really hit the nail on the head there when you say that. There are about 20,000 kids who will age out of the system every year not having a family. And on the other hand, there are millions of families in our country who are looking and eager to adopt. Now, maybe they don't always want the older children, sure. But one of the things that's the the mismatch between 20,000 kids and several million families looking for them are the regulations in between. And so one of the things we're trying to do are to get rid of regulations that make it hard for these families to join together. I mean, one of the simple ones is, was in Maryland, um, there was a grandmother there and they weren't going to let her take in her, the grandchild because she had bunk beds in a room. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I had a bunk bed growing up, and that's, that's kind of what we do in, in a lot of American homes. Is yeah, who doesn't, who doesn't who doesn't have a bunk
0: bed, right? Everybody needs a bunk
4: right. bed. Right, <laughs> right. And so, you know, these are kids that you're talking about who don't have families who are sometimes they're putting them in jails to sleep. They're putting them in office buildings to sleep, uh, and they're saying, you know, it's not good enough if there's a bunk bed in the room. And I think we just need to bring a little bit of common sense to some of these regulations and make it easier for these so many, there's so many people willing to help, make it easier for people to help and take in these kids who so desperately need some love and safety.
0: L- let me ask you this, Darcy, and this gets this strikes to the heart of it. The, the perception out there is that you've got a lot of kids in need, both foster and adoption, but then you've got few families willing to foster and or adopt. Is that true or is there a ton of families willing and ready to foster and or adopt? Uh, but uh, uh, less less kids than there are families. What What's the ratio here?
4: Well, at this time, the reality is that there are two kids in the system for every one available space. Okay. So we definitely have a shortage of families ready to help. Now, part of the reason for that is that it is so difficult to become a foster parent. It can take six months. It can take up to a year. Or for instance, someone like me, who I've been, I fostered 10, adopted four, let my license lapse because obviously needed a break there. Um, but in my state, you have to go through the entire process all over again, even if you've successfully adopted and, and fostered. And those are the kinds of things that keep people from doing this work or doing it more than one time. Uh, and it's really simp- it's, it's simple to streamline this and do safety checks and do the important things, but maybe not worry so much about, you know, whether the closet is the right size or whether there's an extra bunk bed in the room and really focus on the safety and the needs of the child. And that common sense will go a long way to making sure we have enough families for the children in need.
0: Uh, let me ask you this, Darcy. Last question, then we'll let you go. The Are you experiencing, I'm sure st- state-level work is probably where you're having the most impact. Are you making some headway at the state level with lawmakers and policymakers on getting some of these reforms done?
4: Oh, my goodness. If, this will give you more hope than probably anything you've heard in a long time. In the past five years, and we are a purple state in Arizona at this point, we have passed a 30 consensus reforms, so across party lines for these kids. All of these kids now get photographed, so if they go missing, they can be found. They're all getting attorneys in their court cases, Hmm. something we were able to do without creating a new fiscal bill. There was plenty of money in the system for these kids. Um, We have been able to get them into special education programs that they weren't able to access before. So many changes in a short amount of time. And the reason for that is people really do want to help these children. They just haven't known, they don't, you know, they haven't had the roadmap to do it. And that's what the Center for the Rights of Abused Kids provides. I mean, we give them that roadmap to reform and to change so that, as as President Reagan said when he established National Foster Care Month, that every child will have the opportunity to live in a safe and loving family.
0: Absolutely. Critical, critical work, uh, core to the family uh, health and structure in America, And I appreciate your work on all this, Darcy, over at the Center for the Rights of Abused Children. And I have your URL as thecenterforchildren.org, thecenterforchildren.org. Is that right?
4: That's right. Thank you so much, Walker, for bringing some more attention to these kids who need it.
0: Absolutely. We'll keep following this. And I really, Darcy, want to work with you um, even in Mississippi and other states uh, on some reforms uh, you really can't do too much to help these kids. There's always something we can improve on. Uh, thanks so much, Darcy. Keep up the good work.
4: Thank you so much, Walker.
0: Appreciate that. That's uh, D- Darcy Olson. She's founder and CEO for the Center for the Rights of Abused Children. The for is that URL. We'll drop the link on our podcast page at afr.net. <clears throat> she started that um organization or the seeds of it rather were began or uh, begun in two thousand and ten. Um excellent, excellent work. Two thousand seventeen is when she founded the organization and uh working on reforms, fostering adoption reforms around the nation. Good for Darcy and uh, everyone who's in on that. Very, very critical work. Uh moving to a few other topics I want to make sure we get to, the um there's two things There's two investigations that are just in limbo. I mean, we just can't get an answer on this stuff. The first one is where did COVID come from? Where did COVID come from? Because the, the experts told us that COVID came from the wild from a bat. That's what we were told. All right. In the early days of the, of the pandemic and we were sold on it. I mean, Fauci said, this is where it came from. And, um, as it turns out, number 1 that's most likely not true and there was little evidence if any to support it. Remember the wet market theory covid came from a wet market from a from a a, a seafood market in Wuhan. All right, that was the theory, right? So as more information came out, this uh this uh theory of a sketchy Bio lab in wuhan just like a mile down from the wet market came out and then we started learning hey this uh this wuhan lab what's this wuhan lab do well they experiment on deadly bad viruses that's one of the things they do and then you've got u.s uh the u.s funding it and you can't make this stuff up i mean out of all the things our tax dollars do we're funding bat research in wuhan china I mean, come on. And they talk about, oh, there's no government waste. Everything's on the up and up. We know where every dollar goes. And then we all learn that we're funding bat research in Wuhan, China. Absolutely absurd. But we can't build a wall on the southern border because that's a waste of money, right? We can, we can tamper with bats in Wuhan. But if we want to build like a fence or a wall between us and Mexico to keep the cartels from coming over, oh, no, no, we can't do that, right? Because that's a waste of money. Um, absolute absolute joke is what these people are so this is out of the new york post today actually this was dated december 3rd so two days ago saturday listen to this report from the new york post and we've known this but further media reports continue to affirm it scientist who worked at the wuhan lab says that covid was man-made virus reading into this report a little bit a scientist who worked at a controversial research lab in China has claimed that COVID was a man-made virus that leaked from the facility, according to a report. Andrew Huff, who worked for a New York-based York nonprofit that studied viruses, says, uh, said COVID leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China two-plus years ago and blamed authorities for the quote-unquote biggest U.S. intelligence failure since 9-11. The lab has since been at the center of a fierce debate about the origins of COVID with both Chinese government officials and lab personnel denying that the virus leaked from the facility. Imagine that. They're denying it. Uh, the epidemiologist uh, uh, Andrew Huff said in his new book, The Truth About Wuhan, that the pandemic was a result of the U.S. government's funding of coronavirus in China. Uh, China, he said, China's gain-of-function experiments were carried out with a lax, uh, with lack security, which led to a leak at the Wuhan lab. Foreign laboratories did not have the adequate control measures in place for ensuring proper biosafety, biosecurity, and risk management, ultimately resulting in the lab leak at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He said in his new book. Um, so that's uh, from someone who was actually working. Uh, for a New York-based nonprofit uh, research related to uh, Wuhan lab in China. He actually worked there for a short time. So let's get this right. Everybody that knows about this says that the, the bat virus pretty much came from the Wuhan lab. I mean, like we have everything but the smoking gun and everything close to it but the smoking gun. The consensus amongst the experts, and even now the government experts, say that this uh, bat virus came from the Wuhan lab. So, So let's just, for the sake of discussion, if that's true, then this is one of the biggest health scandals in a long, long time. Think about the damage that was done, has been done, and is continuing to be done as a result of COVID. You have primarily and most importantly the health damage. I mean, think about the health damage uh, for all the people that passed away, all the people that died, all the people that were hospitalized for completely unrelated illnesses, but their family couldn't see them because of COVID, in the name of COVID, right? And uh, people died lonely. Um, People's small businesses were shut down um, after COVID. They just couldn't recover. Um. Think about the economic damage. I mean, think about the people that lost their jobs, lost their livelihoods, all this stuff, all this carnage and damage as a direct response of the pandemic. Think about the government overreach. Think about the children who got behind in education. Think about the people who lost their job because they wouldn't get the shot. All of this came from covid Think about the election of 2020. All the shenanigans are revolving around the election, COVID was the pretext, right? COVID was the excuse for the melon ballots, for the laxed election law or election code. It was all in the name of COVID. So damage done by COVID and the virus is in the tunes of trillions of dollars millions of lives of human lives and we don't want to get to the bottom of where it come, came from and punish whoever leaked it. So so basically China leaked the virus from the lab whether intentionally or incidentally and it really doesn't matter either way the, the end result's the same. But we're not going to follow up on this investigate it confirm it and then prosecute the people responsible for the crime. That's one scandal. The other scandal is who leaked the Supreme Court opinion back in May relating to the Roe overturn. Who leaked the opinion? We still don't know who leaked the draft opinion from SCOTUS in May that caused dozens of pro-life pregnancy centers to be vandalized. AFA at the core. We'll see you next time.